Today, it's an exciting day for us. We're going to be rolling out our new logo, which is a lot of fun. I mean, churches only do this every like 10 or 15, maybe 20 years, right? Like, so this is a big deal. Don't let ever, anybody ever tell you you haven't experienced anything exciting in life, right? Because you were here, right? Yeah, that's right. You say, hey, I was here, right, that day. We've got, uh, we got free T-shirts out there. I wanted to have the uh, T-shirt cannon from Great American Ballpark, but... Uh, <laughs> Nancy, our insurance agent, she just, she's like, just not fun on that kind of stuff, right? But, you know, liability issues, right? But no, seriously, we are excited about that. Uh, but we are so excited about what God is doing here at Anderson Hills. A couple things as uh, you're get, getting settled. Um, we have a Connect card right there in the uh, chair backs. If you would take this, we've got a QR code for guests or one for regular attenders. Just uh, You can just scan the appropriate one, and it makes it super easy to sign in. Uh, of course, you can sign in online just by telling us that you're here with us, putting your name in the chat. We appreciate that very much. Helps us keep keep in touch with you. Also, we have uh, we just want to thank you for your generosity and giving. It is changing lives in so many great ways right here in Cincinnati and all around the world. Uh, you can give in a whole variety of ways, of course, um, through the mobile app, uh, through the uh, offering boxes, all the different sorts of ways. Thank you so much, church, uh, for your generosity. It is just an honor to get to partner with you uh, in ministry here. Now, as we, as we talk today, we're, we're doing things a little bit out of order. I know you're like, wait a minute, he's not allowed to preach this early. I know, it's just a little different, we're, we're, but uh, I'm uh, just so excited. I wanted to share with you earlier in the service this today, and so then we're going to do this. We're going to celebrate communion later on. It's going to be a really powerful time together. Sermon's a little different today. We're really focusing the next couple weeks on our vision as a church. This week, we focus on who we are. And next week, we focus on who God calls us to be. So if you're a guest, I'm so glad that you're here with us. Um, this is not exactly our normal kind of sermons. Usually, we're very much more, we take a passage and we preach from that. We don't focus so much on us. Uh, but these next couple weeks are kind of special. Um, but I invite you to be, stick around for these. And then uh, right after that, we're going to be going into a really powerful series um, on the book of Job, where we're going to be studying God's word there. Um, now, a couple of things. As we talk things like logos and branding, all that kind of stuff, one thing to remember about a logo is a logo never saved anybody, right? Churches don't exist for a logo. Uh, we exist because of Jesus. That's why we're here. I mean, the only way a logo is going to save you is be if our logo was like an empty tomb or something. That might be an exception. But for the most part, church logos, that's, they, that's not what they're here for. The, the song did not say, I saw the logo, right? It said, I saw the light, right? We saw the light of Jesus. And that's what we're here to proclaim, regardless of this kind of stuff. A logo is simply a way uh, that a church communicates who it is. It talks, it's, it's one of the many, many things that we do to communicate this. You're familiar with this from lots of companies that do this. In fact, we, we've got this little company in town here. They had a logo for a while. Um, bottom left, um, Procter & Gamble. That was their logo until the 1990s, right? Like for a long time, they had this logo. And there's a classic uh, version of ivory soap right there. They tell us that they haven't changed the formula on that. They said they're going to change it as soon as dirt changes its formula, right? 
that's commitment. But but what happens though is it develops in time. See, this logo was interesting. Oh, sorry, let me back up. Uh, this logo was interesting because folks actually said it was satanic. Can you believe that? They said there was like a six 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 hidden in there. Now. As somebody who tell, studies the Bible, I can tell you that is nonsensical, okay? That's like a really bad abuse of Scripture. In fact, some even accuse Proctor, true story, some accuse them of tithing to the church of Satan. That sounds like a Johnson & Johnson kind of accusation right there, you know? But we know it's not true, of course, because Satan doesn't need Proctor's money. He's got lots of sources of income. I mean, he's got terrible things like he's got drug cartels, right? He's got strip clubs. He's got uh, sales from Pittsburgh Steelers merchandise. <laughs> he's not short on income, right? So that was a false accusation. But we look Proctor's logo today here. It feels more relevant for today, right? And that's just what you're doing with logos and stuff like that. Because in time, you, you freshen things up to better communicate who you are. Logos change, but the mission remains the same. Logos change, but the mission remains the same. And Anderson Hills, our mission statement's real clear, and it, it, it's really not ours. It comes from Jesus, okay? Uh, and we may, there may be times where we may uh, modify the wording just a little bit to tweak something, but the mission itself, the core of that will never change. Um, our mission is this. Let's read it all together. We exist to glorify God and produce fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ who transform the world, okay? This is who we are. A few things about this. First, we exist to glorify God, to worship God, to praise God. There's literally nothing better that a human being can do. That's why we start off with that. We exist to glorify God. God has put us here to do just that. And to produce fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. What's that mean? A fully devoted follower is another word, or it's another way of saying disciple. Someone who loves Jesus, who's in a personal relationship with him, a life-changing relationship with him. We don't exist just to have you come in the door and say, oh, this is a nice place. I think I'll stick around here and then come back next Sunday and just do the same thing. We, we want your life to be changed. Not by us, but by the power of God working through us. And we actually believe that that happens. We exist to produce fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ, but not just so that we can be smarter, better, or have a new uh, best friend in Jesus, right? That's not it. We do this for the transformation of the world, that we may transform the world. Jesus has put us here. He calls us to grow more and more like him so that the world can be changed because there's a world out there that desperately needs to know Jesus, and it is our job to grow in our faith and to share that faith with others. That's our mission. And that's a powerful mission statement. I love it. And I'm so thankful that we've been living under that and we continue to live under that. So we've got our logo. We've got it here on the stage. We've got it here on the screen. This is our new logo. And I'm excited about it. It is, um, I think it's a, really, uh, it's a really cool design. I think the way that they put it all together is neat. I'm not an artsy kind of person, but I think it's fun to watch what artsy people do. In fact, as we talk through this, we put together a team 
We spent a day just talking about who Anderson Hills Church is. And out of that came, uh, came uh, from Logo and other ideas. And um, just to explain a little bit about this logo, um, it has uh, on it, it has seven hills, right? And you know there's seven hills in Cincinnati. We all know that's one of the things we're known for. But bigger than, than just Cincinnati, it's a call out to that. But it's also a call out in Scripture. The number seven is a number of completion. It's a very significant number in the Bible. Uh, in the Bible, you have seven, God creates the world in seven days, right? When God makes a covenant with Abraham, he offers seven lambs as a sacrifice. When Jesus gives us the Lord's Prayer, there are seven petitions. When Jesus speaks from the cross, there are seven phrases that he says. Jews would uh, forgive debts on, on the seventh, uh, seven, in the seventh year. And I haven't even gotten to the book of Revelation and all the sevens there and all that symbolism, right? So the seven is a spiritually significant thing, uh, symbolizing God's complete work. Not that we are complete, but as we go on, as we grow on to perfection, as our tradition says, that God, God's work would be complete in us. Additionally, um, you have uh, these bold lines that represent confidence and flexibility and kind of a sense of motion. And that's us because we're a church that's always striving to be on the move, not just staying the same. You don't stick around for 200 years if you just try to stay the same. It doesn't work. You become very irrelevant very quickly. We always want to move forward with confidence, not in ourselves, but confidence in Jesus' command to go and make disciples of all nations. But we've got to have the flexibility to meet the demands of an ever-changing world. That's who we are. That's part of who we are. And finally, one of the hills feels a little bit farther away from the, than the other, kind of like you're looking a little bit in a rearview mirror, and that's significant for us because we're a church with an amazing history, with an amazing, as the Bible says, cloud of witnesses who've gone on before us, faithful saints who have prayed, who have served, who have worshiped, who have given of their time and talent, financial resources, so that Anderson Hills can be the church that it is today. God used them in powerful ways, and God is using us today in the same kind of way. It's our turn. It's our responsibility. It's our opportunity to, to lead this church in this exciting season. And so this is a, a two-part message series. Like I said, the first part is on vision. We talk about the who we are. Sorry, the, the whole series on vision. This week we talk about who we are. Next week we talk about um, what we do as a result. And as we were meeting together, we came up with three different words that communicate who we are as a church. And the first one is growing. We are a church that is called to be growing in our faith, okay? Um, and that means a couple things. First, growing personally, like, like I'm growing in my faith, you're growing in my faith, we're all growing closer in our walk with Jesus, but also growing corporately because we're called to go out to preach the good news, to share God's word, and so we should be reaching new people. And I understand that, you know, in, in life, sometimes things aren't always up and to the right, but, but we're called as a whole to be growing. I'm thankful last year our attendance grew by 10%, our, children's, our student ministry grew by about 11.5%, and our children's ministry grew by 19%. And I am thankful to God for all that God's doing. I think that's really exciting. 
But we don't sit here and pat ourselves on the back and say, oh, that's great, that's enough. No, it wasn't our work, so we wouldn't be patting ourselves. And second, it's not enough, right? It's not, we're not, it's not enough because there are so many people around us who need to know Jesus. There are thousands of people within a very, very short radius of this church who don't have a church home, who don't know Jesus, and I'm biased, but I think this would be a great place for them to come to know Jesus. We are called to be a church that is growing. That's part of who we are. I'm thankful for that. Second, we are called to be a church who is a family, a family. And, and hear me really clearly. This does not mean that only families are welcome and singles are not. Nope, that's not what this word means at all. We're called to be a church family where we encounter the power of God, the love of God through one another and our relationships with one another. This is a church where you can get to know, your, you can get to know others. You can grow in relationships. You can, whether you can join a life group or a band, you can uh, participate in a ministry or a class. You can make friends who genuinely care about you, who are there for you through life's ups and life's downs, who are there on the good days and the tough days. That's what a church family does. And we're called to be that for one another. We're also called to be a welcoming family where everybody's welcome at this church. Everybody's welcome in this family because, again, it's God's family. And we want it to grow as effectively as it can to reach more and more people for Jesus. So we're growing. We're a family. And I know lists of three, you shouldn't have favorites, but I have a favorite. And it is the third, spirit-filled. We are called to be a church that is filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. You read the book of Acts, this is the power that the church operates on. Churches, it is not about, uh, about leaders. It is not about charisma. It's not about logos. It's not about buildings. It's not about any of these things. It's about the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through us. All those other things are just kind of accessories that God can use for his glory. If it's not by the power of the Holy Spirit, I don't want it. It's not us. It, it's not about us. It's about the power of God working. And so we're not operating on our own wisdom, power, whatever it may be. No, it's the power of God working here whenever lives are changed. I, I was blessed this week to uh, get to have lunch with a guy who um, his life was changed by Jesus here. He had come here um, as uh, someone who had, uh, was, was uh, agnostic, and God worked and moved in his life, and he connected with faith in Jesus Christ through the ministries of this church. I thank God. That's one of many, many, many people through our history that God has used, and now God's using him to impact others. That's, that's going to be the case. I'm thankful for that. That is the power of the Holy Spirit at work. When folks give their lives to Jesus, when folks are baptized, that is the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not us doing right things. It's God working in and through us. That's what it means. Um, when, when a child is, is baptized in this place and we commit to, to help the family to raise up this child in, in, the, in, the, in faith in Jesus Christ, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. 
When that child goes in and, and they hear the good news of Jesus and they hear the stories of the Bible through our children's ministry. When they receive a Bible as a gift multiple times throughout their life so that they would hopefully fall in love with God's word. When, when they become a teenager and, and they feel that need as we all do to kind of distance themselves from mom and dad, right? And say, is this faith, is it for real? Is that just my parents' thing? That they would faith, find a faith that is real, that is theirs, that is from the Lord. That is, that's the power of the Holy Spirit working. It's the power of the Holy Spirit working. When we gather together with life groups and bands and, and we, um, we talk about our struggles and, and we talk about our successes and everything in between and we love on each other and we support each other and, and we grow in faith together, that is the power of the Holy Spirit. When, when we give money generously to missions here locally and all around the world and, and the, the, the hungry are fed, the naked are clothed, the people who need to know Jesus receive the good news of Jesus, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. When, when people are healed, body, mind, and spirit, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. When marriages are saved, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. When... when when we age and we get to where we need others around us more and more and our church family is there for us, that's the power of the Holy Spirit working through us, showing that love and grace. And finally, when we lay our saints to rest, we have the power of the Holy Spirit so that we don't grieve as the rest of the world grieves without hope. No, we grieve with a hope of eternal life. Because we know that we're serving a God who's so much bigger, so much more incredible than anything we could ever ask or imagine. So friends, let me just kind of summarize. That's three words. Uh, we're called to be growing, family, and spirit-filled. And let me just give you kind of a summary statement here. I believe, friends, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, that we are called to be a rooted community church who excels in reaching families with children and teens. We are called by the power of the Holy Spirit, we will be a rooted community church who excels in reaching families with children and teens. That is why we are here. Okay? And when we talk about vision, vision kind of focuses us in. And that's really important for a church like us because when you've been around for a while, you have a lot of different ministries. And I thank God for those. We're not getting rid of these things. We're choosing how do we focus, how do we centrally focus our attention as a church. And we are called to do this by the power of the Holy Spirit. We just talked about that. We will be a rooted community church who excels in reaching families with children and teens. What does that mean? To be a rooted church is one we're not rooted, again, we're not rooted in our own ideas or strengths. We're rooted, we're standing on the Word of God. That's our source. That's who we are. Our doctrines, our beliefs, these are the same things that we've been believing for generations here. Okay? These things are not something that I can change because they're not mine. They will be ours long after I am six feet under, let me tell you. Because these beliefs are things that carry us and that guide us. We, we are rooted in the teachings of John Wesley as folks who have grown up in the Methodist tradition. We are rooted in, prior to that, we're rooted in the creeds of the church. Uh, we are rooted 
in the New Testament, the Old Testament, this is where we, we stand and we always will. So we will be a rooted community church. A community church is one that is, is right here in the neighborhood. And you know, there's, it's, it's different than, say, a mega church, right? And mega churches are great. We need them. But, but a community church is different. Community church is very focused on our surrounding area here, kind of the, the greater Anderson area. A community church is one where it's a little easier to get to know people. Um, it's easier to get to know, uh, you can talk with the staff or pastors. You can, you can, if you have leadership gifts, you can get involved and you can make a big impact in ministries and the direction of the church and all these kind of things. Uh, that's some of the great things about being a community church. And I love the fact uh, that that's who we are. That's who we're called to be. So by the power of the Holy Spirit, we'll be a rooted community church who excels in reaching families with children and teens. Now, this is really, really important to us. We excel in reaching families with children and teens. And church, we, we need to focus that in more and more and more. That's not a new concept for us, right? This is not a new idea, but this is something that requires, I think, even more focus than what we give it today. Now, this doesn't mean that we ignore everybody else, okay? If you're like, oh, man, I don't, you know what, I'm not in that category, I guess they don't care. Nope, that's not true at all. We have many things for folks who are outside of that group, and we'll continue to do that. But our vision is that our primary focus will be on reaching new families with children and teens. And we will, as a staff, we're already working on this. We'll continue to work more and more. How do we look at our ministries and evaluate where we can be more and more effective at reaching families that have children and teens? That's central to who we are. Why did we choose this? Well, first, look at our history. This has been who, we've, who we have been historically. You go back 25, 30 years, um, we would be uh, one of the strongest churches right here in Anderson, perhaps the strongest church at this. We had a preschool that was, back when there were a lot fewer preschools, our preschool was in such high demand that I know a number of people here who actually became members of the church so they could get their kid into the preschool. I'm glad you stuck around, by the way. Your kid graduated a long time ago. I'm really glad you're still here. Today, thank God, there's a lot more preschools in the area. That's great. But, but so just having a preschool is, is a good start, but there's more to it than just that, right? It requires even more focused. We are blessed to live in one of the best areas in all of Cincinnati to raise a family. We've got awesome schools and neighborhoods and parks and fun things to do. It's a great place. People move here from all around to raise their family here. So why do we choose this? Because Jesus calls us to go first to Jerusalem, right? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Our Jerusalem right here in Anderson area is families with children and teens. That's who our primary call is uh, because that's who we are surrounded by. But the biggest reason that I'm passionate about is not just those, I'm passionate about this, is not just those demographic things. The biggest reason is that depending on what study you read, 80% uh, or more people who become Christians do so by the time they are 18 years old. Think about that. Statistically, four out of every five followers of Jesus became a Christian by the time they were 18. Just wondering, show of hands, how many of you became a Christian by the time you were 18 years old? There you have it. That's the vast majority of us right there. 
do you see how essential it is that we focus on these families? It's not to say there's no hope if you pass 18. There is. God can save people at any age. My grandpa was saved in his 70s just months before he died, okay? I mean, God can change lives at any point. But what we know is that your best time to become a follower of Jesus is in those earlier years. And it makes sense. These are formative years. These are years where we're learning things that are going to shape us for the entire rest of our lives. What better time to introduce someone to Jesus Christ than at that point. Plus, when we become a follower of Jesus early on in life, we've got our whole lives to live for him, to, to change this world for him, to be used by him. And so it's such a vital thing that we reach families with children and teens because it, it's how we help, uh, it's how God works through us to build the kingdom for literally generations to come. This is central and you know, I know many of you are parents. I'm, I'm a parent. We have three teenagers. And it is not an easy time to be a child or a teenager. Amen? It's not. And I know it's never been an easy time. And I think I remember in my generation, they said it was the hardest time ever. But I would look at today and say, it's harder today than it was then. And it's not going to get any easier. We live in a world that doesn't make it easy on our children and teens to become followers of Jesus Christ. And so that means we have, as a church, we got to double down on this. This is really central to who we are because this is, this is God's call on us. He's put us in a very fruitful mission field with so many folks who need to know him, and we have the opportunity to do that. And you might say, okay, well, wait, we... we you just told us, though, that our children's ministry grew by 19%. Can't you be happy about this? Like, why do, you, why do we have to focus in more and more on this? Well, a couple reasons. One, we, we looked at demographics just at Anderson Hills uh, the past three months, uh, just folks who have attended here, right? Okay, so just very recent demographics. And we compared that age-wise to our surrounding community. And we found that we have, you take the 65-plus category, we're literally double the average there, okay? Now, if you're 65-plus, I'm so thankful for you. In fact, we should, like, give you a hand or something because you guys are crushing it, right, in the age category. We're happy for you, right? Don't leave. That's not the point of this message at all. We need you. We're such a better church because you're here. We are a, a multi-generational church, and I think that's such a wonderful gift. I'll talk about that more in a little bit. But, but, but we, as a church, that means we've got to put some intentional focus, though, because we tend to reach people who are, well, like us. That's kind of normal. And so that means we need to put extra focus on this if we're going to be effective at this. And, you know, when we focus our vision on it, uh, like I said, I'll get a little more specific next week, but it allows us to get more into just reevaluating everything and saying, is this really effective for this? And there are things that probably we don't even notice. Let me give you an example of how I missed one that's pretty obvious. Um, a little while back, I was attending a welcome lunch here. And uh, at the end of the lunch, we were, we were talking, and a, a child came up to me, and she said, can I play on your playground? And I said, sure, <laughs> why not? Seems like the easiest question I get asked all day, right? And then she looks at me, and she goes, 
well, would you unlock it? And I said, it's locked? And she looked at me like, I must be the stupidest pastor she's ever <laughs> Of course it's locked. I mean, here it is. It's not only it's locked, we've got literally five signs that tell you you are not welcome <laughs> to play on our playground. And I understand you, you want to protect from vandalism or whatnot, but um, I was once a youth pastor, and I can assure you that fence is not a teenager deterrent. It's a teenager encourager, okay? It's a challenge. Signs they don't deter, they encourage, right? And you know what? If our playground gets messed up, we'll deal with that, okay? I have a lot deeper concerns than that. And I'm not trying to be mean about this. Look, I've been here for years. I didn't even pay attention to it, right? And it's not, and it's a simple thing. But I bet you there'll be a collection of simple things and some big things that we can do better. This is so central to who we are as a church because it's not just today, but if you look at us, we have an incredible history. For, we've been around for, for 200 years. And for 200 years, uh, the first 100, we were a small church. Uh, it was a small area, small church. That's kind of who we are. But then in uh, about early, early 1920s, we, we began, we were growing. We outgrew the little chapel, that we, a little building that we were move, meeting in. And we purchased some land just down the street. It's actually where Arby's is today. Um, and it, we purchased this old uh, power station, and we, we renovated that place. Um, we renamed ourselves the Asbury Methodist Episcopal Church of Forestville, which didn't really roll off the tongue, you know? <laughs> So we were nicknamed the Powerhouse Church, which I think is awesome, by the way. Here we are in the 1930s in this photo. It's 1932. This is our church, okay? And it's a little hard to see, but there's five rows of people at Powerhouse Church. And the first three rows are all kids and teenagers. Imagine what those services were like, right? I don't think it was, I don't think it was ever a dull moment around there. And the next couple rows are a whole lot of, well, mostly parents. In fact, if we want to look here and criticize, we'd say, you need some more older people in this church, right? How are you going to make it without older people? But we, this is our history, right? And this church was, man, it was on fire. And they were reaching new people, and they were growing, and we would be at that location in uh, the 20s, 30s, and 40s, and we'd experience great growth and new life, and in fact, so much that we would outgrow that, that facility, and, and some visionary folks, some of whom their families are still part of this church, some visionary folks would purchase this piece of land, would clear it, and would build our first building, which is kind of where our children are at uh, over in that area. And so that's, that's how we got started here. That was 1953. And then we grew and grew and grew. And just four years later, we built the big sanctuary in 1957. And then we'd continue to build throughout our history because we are a growing church. That's who God calls us to be at Anderson Hills. And as we look at that history and we look at all those kids and we say, God, thank you that you did that through us. We want more. We won't be satisfied with where we are today because there are so many families with kids who need to know you, Lord. And so that's who we are called to be. That's who we are going to be and grow more and more into this. 
I've got a, a verse here that I'm going to talk about a lot this year. You're going to maybe get tired of it, but that's okay. It's Psalm 145.4. It's short. Would you please read it with me? Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. Let's read it again. Let each generation tell its children your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. That's us. That's who we are. It's who we are called to be. We are called generation after generation after generation to tell our children, to tell the children of this generation of God's mighty acts, to teach God's word, to, to help them to come to know Jesus, that they can too can be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, that their lives can be changed, that they can reach their friends for Jesus. We are called to do this. This is what the Bible literally calls us to do. And I love the fact, I, I think that we are situated so well to do this because we are, as I said earlier, we are a multi-generational church. And hear me clearly, if you've heard me say anything this morning that would make you think that we don't need our older generation here, I have missed the mark because that is the exact opposite of what I'm saying. As a multi-generational church, we are so well equipped to reach the next generation of Jesus followers. Because we, the, the arm guys this past week, they're in here, they're, they're listening to a guy talk about how they can be spiritual fathers, right? How they can be mentors to the next generation of younger guys. That's exciting to me. I think that that's awesome. The, um, so many different ways that we do that. I won't get into all that stuff this week, but that, that we are called to tell our children about God's mighty acts and, to and so that they may proclaim his power. In 2007, we had, we had come through a, a challenging time. And uh, we, had, um, uh, we, we sent a new pastor, Mar Pastor Mark Rowland, my predecessor, who led us out of a period of, uh, we had five years of decline. And Mark came in, and God moved in mighty ways. And the church turned, and, and many of you were here in this time, uh, began to grow again and to reach new people. It was such, such an exciting and powerful time. We hired a consultant named Bill Esom, and I was reading his report this past week. And that he wrote, he wrote in 2007. And, you know, we were, like I say, in a time where we had really made some great improvements. But Bill gave us some difficult news. Bill told us that in 2007, that in 20 years, so by 2027, that 40% of our church would be in heaven with Jesus. 40%. That's, that's a pretty concerning thing. Right, And he told us also that we were not reaching younger families at a quick enough rate to, to help to offset that. And so the future was, well, at that moment, things seemed great. I thank God that Pastor Mark and others had a vision that was much greater than that moment. It would have been real easy to kind of sit tight and to say, hey, you know what, we're, we were improved a lot. We got a good church. We don't, we don't need to mess with things. We're, you know, whatever. But that's not what we did. We, we doubled down on a number of things, and God used these things to help us to grow and to help us to turn around, to help us to reach more and more younger families. Today, I just ran the math on our attendance then, and what would have been, we're double the size we would have been if we, wouldn't, if we would have ignored that report. And I'm thankful 
for that legacy of faithfulness. I'm thankful you look back, whether it's the Powerhouse Church, whether it's us under Pastor Mark's leadership, or we could point to many, many different times in our church where we focused in on the thing that God was calling us to do at the moment, and we gave ourselves to do that, and God worked. God moved in great and mighty ways. I'm very thankful for that legacy, and I know that's who we are today. So today, we've got great, uh, great room to reach new young families for Jesus, and we're going to do that more and more effectively. We are, you know, last thing I'll say here, we're going to resist in our culture, we have a, like a hobby right now of these generational battles, right? You've, you've seen all these criticisms, right? You have your older folks, like this cartoon here, your older folks calling your younger folks snowflakes, right? And they're, they're just, we have a cartoon. Uh, they're just like, <laughs> they're, we're insulting them, right? You know, and then our younger folks like, yeah, okay, boomer, what, what, what do you have that I actually need, right? That's a lot how our culture works today. And church, we're called to be the opposite of that. We're called to be countercultural here. We're called to be a place where, where the, the younger people, we, we know Proverbs, right? And Proverbs says that gray hair is a crown of glory. It is gained by living a godly life. I'm so glad to look around and see a lot of crowns of glory. And I mean that with all my heart. <laughs> I wouldn't change it for the world. And also, as if, if you're in that category... We know that God is moving in this new generation. That God is working in powerful ways. Don't you dare look down on them. Don't you dare despise them. Because God is doing a great and mighty work. And these are the people who he has called us to reach. And we're going to resist these, this generational battle nonsense. And instead, we're going to be a church who's all in on reaching the next generation for, of, of followers of Jesus. Because that is who we are called to be. Let it be so, God. Would you work in and through us? Would you use us, God, to be a church who is truly growing, who is truly standing strong as, as a church family and who is filled by the power of the Holy Spirit? And would you use us to reach the next generation of Jesus followers for you? Lord, we want to be faithful to your call. We want to be faithful to follow you, God, all of our days. Lord, I pray that you would use us in great and mighty ways, that you would transform us, and that you would work as only you can work. God, you are so good. We love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.